following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Christian Life Austin, how we doing tonight? Hey, it is Wednesday night, and you're in the best place to be on a Wednesday night in South Austin. You're at Christian Live Austin. You know, when I first came to church here, I'll never forget, Pastor Rex told me, he said, now we do Wednesday, son. I said, oh, oh okay, you know, all right. I, I was in the office, and it was about 6.30, and I, I went and ran an errand, and I came back, and it was about 6.50, and the lobby was packed. I had never seen a church that was ready to go like this church, and... I'm so thankful for our Wednesday night services, and, and I got to tell you, Pastor Jaron talked about this, but I am fired up for Freedom Sunday. If you, amen, if you don't know what freedom is, if you're not sure, if you've heard us talk about it, preach about it, kind of mention it, you're going to find out what freedom is this Sunday, and we can't wait for you to experience what freedom is all about, and if you haven't signed up, if you've never been through a freedom group, man, I encourage you, take the time out to do it. I promise you, I make a promise to you as a pastor, you will not regret the time that you spent going through freedom. And then I just want to make a real quick announcement. If you have been a freedom leader, if you're going to be a freedom group leader this semester, or you have interest in being a freedom group leader, we're going to have a quick little meeting right after service, and we'll just do this. We're going to meet right over here, so just come hang out with us. We're going to talk to you for a second, just in preparation for Freedom Sunday. What an honor it is to be here tonight. Pastor Rex, Pastor Brad, they're not uh, with us tonight, but I want to give honor to them because they're incredible men, uh, they're incredible pastors, and I'm honored to get to speak on this stage. I, I made myself a promise I will never stand on this stage without giving honor to Pastor Rex, who has spent 31 years of his life planning, working, sowing, giving. And if you can get uh, through those doors without hugging him, then you are really talented because he hugs everybody and loves everybody. And I'm so thankful for a pastor that has the heart of a shepherd. Amen? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. I want to preach a message tonight that's, that's on my heart, and it's, um, it's something that I'm I'm really fired up to speak to you, but it's also something that's um, it's heavy on my heart. And, and, and as you're turning there, why don't you just turn to your neighbor right now and just say, thank God school is here. Amen. We've got a lot of parents in the room. Hey, we love so- summer. We did some fun summer things, but my God, I'm ready for someone else to take over for just a little bit. School is here. First Samuel chapter number 30. And I'm going to read the first four scriptures, and then we're just going to jump into what I feel like God has for us tonight. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went their way. And when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. 
Tonight, I, I want to preach to you a message. You have one job. Jesus, in your name, we're so grateful and we're so thankful just for the opportunity to be in your house, to grow, to be better today than we were yesterday. And I just thank you that in this moment that, that you're preparing, that you're leading, that you're guiding us in this season. God, I just pray right now that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits to what you want us to receive. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Now, anybody love a good meme in the house? Anybody enjoy sending memes? You're a fan of memes. I, I enjoy sending good memes. In, in fact, I've, I've got some of them saved on my phone. When I need to go to them at certain times, I go right to the meme. But I love the meme that just simply says you had one job. And I've got some pictures here tonight that, that kind of exemplify this idea that you had one job, if they can put that there on the screen real quick. You had one, you had one job. <laughs> you had one job. It shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that difficult. These are real. These aren't, you know, fake pictures just for my sermon. These are real ser pictures that we pulled off the internet. You are th thirst. Wait. Everybody say you had one job. And then last but uh, not least. Everybody say you had one job. How many know in discouraging seasons and in seasons of confusion and doubt and uncertainty, you can miss what you're supposed to be doing. How many know that in tough seasons, you can make a mistake and you simply just had one thing to do, yet because of the circumstances around you, you miss that thing and, and you had one job and you still missed it. Maybe tonight you're in a season of discouragement, discouragement right now. Maybe you're in a season of doubt and fear or maybe just simply tonight there's uncertainty in your world. Many times in our lives we face difficulties from the world around us. In other words, our environment. Or many times we face difficulties from the world not around us but inside of us through our emotions, through our thoughts, through our, through our feelings. Tonight, many of us, I believe, in this season are feeling this and the enemy right now is attacking us in our homes, is attacking us in our schools, is attacking us in our workplace and maybe you feel like that your life and your world is under attack but can I remind you tonight that while the enemy can be noisy, he will not be effective. The enemy can be loud, but he will not be victorious. And I just want to remind you tonight that the enemy cannot stop you. He can only try to slow you down. I got good news tonight. The enemy cannot win and the enemy will not win. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them and making us victorious in all aspects. Can I remind someone tonight that while the enemy may still be fighting, he has already lost. Yeah. 
Can I remind somebody tonight that when you put your faith and you put your hope and you put your trust in Jesus, he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and you have nothing to fear. But in the middle of all that, I know tonight that many are in battles that seem like it's very hard to win, that in a season right now, it's a lonely season. That in the middle of these tough circumstances, I just want to remind you, I want to tell you, I just want to simply just remind you that you have one job in these seasons. Then when it seems like the world is crumbling around you and life is not making sense, when it seems like you have more questions than answers in those moments and in those seasons, you have one job. David in 1 Samuel is 29 years old. He's living in a place called Ziklag, a place that's temporary, a temporary place uh, where he was raising a family and trying to find his way. It, It was a place where he was living with 600 men and their families. He's living in this place because he was running from Saul. If you're not familiar with the story of David, when he was 17 years old, God anointed him and called him, but now he's 29, he's almost 30. It's been almost 13 years of running when he thought he was called, when he thought he had a purpose, when he thought he had something to do for God. Can I tell you tonight, when God puts an anointing on your life, it may not be realized in your timing. In fact, it may cause everything in your life to be rearranged and the comfort and the routine can be interrupted. And I can totally relate to this. I was 17 years old in an arena in Atlanta, Georgia, in an incredible service where a pastor got up and preached about the call and the gift of God on our lives. And I remember laying on that floor with 20,000 other young adults and I gave my life to God and I felt the hand of God begin to rest on my life. I felt that call for the first time in my life. And I know this, once you are anointed, you can't go back. Once you have an experience with God, you can't go back. The Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. In other words, God is not sorry for the gift that he has given you. When he's put something on you, he is not going to take it off. We just had our youth camp and it was absolutely incredible. One of the best youth camps I've ever been a part of. And Friday night, the power of God moved in. And I wish some of you could have seen our students standing in the altar crying and praying and just simply having an experience with God. And I talked to a few of our students who received the gift of the Holy Spirit for the first time in that moment. And it's such an incredible thing that happened. But I remember telling one of them, he said, man, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know what's, he said, I didn't even know why I was crying. I don't know what's going on. And can I tell, I told him, I said, man, I just want to tell you right now, when you experience that, you can't go back to anything else. I'm sorry. I've kind of ruined your life. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that this is what's happened. But once you've experienced the goodness of God in this way, you can't go back to anything else. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance but little did I know even though I felt the call of God on my life in that arena when I was 17 years old it wasn't until I was 29 that I stepped into the calling that God had for me little did I know the struggles ahead in life 
Little did I know the battles that I would face. The calling of God does not mean that it's time to settle down. The calling of God many times means that you are simply on the run. That God begins to move you and put you in environments where you're not comfortable. I prayed this at the beginning of this year that God would put me in rooms that I didn't belong in, that stretched me, that, that, that got me out of my comfort zone. And can I tell you, he's done that. And when I'm sitting in that room, I'm like, God, I'm not sure if this is exactly what I prayed for. But, but he calls us out of our comfort zones. What we think is the call of God, we think we're going to step into maybe a life of comfort or a life of ease or a better life. Can I tell you, that's when the struggle begins. That's when the battle begins, when you realize that God's hand is on your life. And this is where David is at. He's in a place called Ziklag. And here's what Ziklag means. It means press down. It means a place of pressing. Then this moment in David's life was pressing him down. And do you know what the most pressing place in life can be is when you have a purpose but you're not walking in it. Ziklag was a place between his prophecy and his purpose. There, there was a prophecy over his life. There, there was a gift on his life. There, there was a, something for him to do but yet he wasn't doing it yet. It was a place that represented a waiting season. And I'm sure in this moment, Ziklag felt like a forever place. But the truth is, it was a temporary, it was a temporary place. Ziklag is a temporary place where God has you. And I want to say to someone here tonight, the place that you're in right now, that is in between where you met God and where you know God wants to take you is just a temporary place. Ziklag is something temporary. Can I just tell someone in this moment, the fight that you're fighting right now will not last forever. The fight that you're fighting right now is just temporary. The place that you're in right now is not going to last forever. The moment that you're facing right now, you will look back one day and say, I thought this was going to last forever, but I realized that it was just a temporary place in the journey. Is anybody thankful that the seasons that we go through are just temporary? You might be short of the destiny that God has for you, but it's just a temporary season. But on the way back to this temporary place that had become a place of comfort and it represented his family and, and a place where, uh, of peace where he would go to relax, on his way back to this temporary place, they see smoke and they realize that the enemy has come in and in their mind has murdered and plundered. And the Bible says in this moment that David did what any of us would do. In this moment, he wept aloud. And not only did David mourn, not only did his men mourn, but the Bible says that after they mourned, that their grief turned to anger, and it was anger towards David. So Ziklag is a temporary place, but it's also a testing place. And in this Verse 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, the Bible says David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. So he comes back to this place with his wife and kids where his family is supposed to be, this place that is a place of peace, and he comes back to it and it's been wrecked. 
And it's not just that it's been wrecked now. Not only is he, is he grieving, but he's fearing for his life. The Bible says this, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Tonight, can I go old school on y'all for, for just a second and just quote the King James Version because this is the version that I like. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. This is my whole message to you here tonight. You've got one job in this season. You've got one job in the season of doubt and the season of fear and the season of insecurity. You have one job in the middle of this temporary season. You have one job in the middle of the battle. Single mom, single dad in the middle of the battle. You have one job in the middle of that divorce. You have one job in the middle of the loss of a loved one. You have one job in the middle of financial loss. You have one job in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the fight, in the middle of loneliness, in the middle of depression, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of hurt and pain, you have one job and it's to encourage yourself in the Lord. David is grieving. David is hurting. He thought he had lost everything and I cannot even imagine just yesterday, me and my wife went to meet my son's first grade teacher, and we don't even know why, but we were crying the whole time. Like, at some point, we looked at each other and started laughing, like, what is wrong with us? Like, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> as much as we love our kids and as, as emotional as we are, as I was studying this message, I just tried to put myself in David's place. This was rock bottom. David's lost everything. I can't imagine walking into my home and no longer having my wife and kids, but this is the moment where he's lost everything. I can't even imagine what David is going through. The Bible says that he grieved, he wept. And this is important because I don't know if you know this tonight, but grieving is important in life. The Bible doesn't say that he did not mourn. The Bible doesn't say that he did not grieve. And I had a very wise person in my life tell me one time that all change is lost, even good change, and that you have to mourn every loss. And tonight, I'm not here to tell you just to get over things. I'm not here to tell you to ignore things. I'm not here to tell you that what happened to you is not important. I'm not here to tell you that what's going on in the world is not real. I'm not here to tell you not to grieve. It's important tonight that we understand our feelings, we understand our emotions and the things going on around us. But in the middle of all of that, can I encourage you to encourage yourself? I get the grieving I know what it means to grieve. I know what it means to, to mourn. I, I know what it means to understand pain. I understand the confusion. But in the middle of all of that, can you just remove yourself for a moment and encourage yourself in the Lord? I do this with all of my kids, but especially I feel like the Lord leading me to do this with Houston a lot when he is kind of uncontrollable and, and, and he's not thinking clearly and he's acting out. I, I like to just pick him up very gently and take him to another room and take him to a different environment where I can look him eye to eye. And almost every time that we look eye to eye, 
he can refocus. As long as he gets out of the environment that he was in, he's able to refocus. And here's what I know in this house. Every single person walking through these doors is coming in from an environment that is not always easy. That, that maybe you're in the middle of a battle, but every single person walking through these doors, I know this. There is a struggle in your life. If there's a breath in your body, if there's life inside of you, you are in the middle of a fight right now. And tonight we don't know the fight and we don't even know the pain, but can I remind you that this is a different environment than what's going on in the world. This is an environment that can get you away from the noise. It can get you away and help you to refocus. <laughs> I'm glad to tell you here tonight, this is a house of joy. I'm excited to tell you here tonight, this is a house of peace. And I pray that when you walk through those doors, you felt the joy of the Lord. You felt the peace of God. Whether you know it or not, you might have walked out into this place tired, but you can walk out rested. You might have walked out into this place heavy, but guess what? You can walk out free. I want to encourage you in the middle of this season, in the middle of this world, in the middle of everything going on to encourage yourself in the Lord. I'm doing my best tonight. I've got one goal. I've got one thing in mind. And it's this. I, I, I'm trying to encourage you, but not just encourage you. I want to encourage you to encourage you. <laughs> and here's how you do that. You remind yourself of his goodness. You remind yourself of his grace. You remind yourself of his kindness. You remind yourself of his purpose for your life. You remind yourself of his promises. You remind yourself that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You remind yourself of who he is. You remind yourself of what he's done. You remind yourself that in all the things going on in the world that there is only one that is high above it all and his name is Jesus. Can we just take a moment right now and however you want to do it, maybe lift your hands, put your hands together and encourage yourself in the Lord. Just remind yourself of how good he's been to you. Remind you what, what he's kept you from. Remind yourself what he's kept you for. David understood that even though he was hurting, and even though there was pain in his life, and even though he did not understand what was happening, he thought he had lost everything. He understood that he had one job. Tonight, I want to give you three reasons why you should encourage yourself. Anybody want to hear those reasons? Good. I was going to tell you all anyway. So, All right. Point number one is this. You remind yourself or you encourage yourself in the Lord so that you don't bow down. There is a temptation in this season, and it's a temptation to bow down to culture, to bow down to your desires, to bow down to the events that, he, that happen in our lives. And in this moment, David bows down not to his own men that are trying to take his life or to the emotion of the moment, but the Bible says that he bowed down in the presence of the Lord after all this had happened, and he asked God, what should I do? You see, when you bow down to God, you don't have to bow down to anybody else. When you humble yourself before the Lord, no one else has to humble you. When you lay your life down first, nobody can take it from you. I love what Pastor Brad preached on Sunday. He said, don't be afraid of who can kill the body. 
Be afraid of the one who controls your destiny. And there are people right now halfway across the world that are not bowing down but are standing for Jesus. They are being hung. They are being executed. They are being beheaded. And yet, guess what? They're still not bowing down. And you want to know why? Because they already bowed their knee a long time ago. And you cannot take something from someone that they have already given away. You cannot take a life that we gave away a long time ago. When you bow down to Jesus, you don't have to bow down to anyone else. I'm reminded of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and King Nebuchadnezzar builds this image in Daniel chapter number three, and the Bible says that he plays this song and expects everyone to bow down. And these three Hebrew children, it's really not that they did anything, it's just they didn't do what everybody else was doing. Like you can ask them, what did they do wrong? Well, technically they did nothing wrong. While everyone else bowed down, they just stayed standing. The enemy loves to put triggers in our lives. King Nebuchadnezzar played a song. And when the song plays, you do what everybody else does. When the song plays, you bow down. The enemy loves to put these triggers in our lives that make us bow down to culture and make us bow down to our fleshly desires that make us bow down to the enemy that when this situation comes up in your world, when this thing happens, when this song plays, that we don't run, we don't fight, we just simply bow down, that when the pressures of life come, that we bow down to culture, we bow down to the enemy, and we bow down to our own desires. Here's the thing, if you haven't already bowed down to God, you will bow down to anything. If you haven't given your life to God, you will live for anything except the one thing that gives you purpose. Because when you bow down to God, you realize that there is nothing higher. When you bow down to God, you realize that there is nothing greater. When you bow down to the one who is above it all, you realize that there is nobody greater, there's nobody higher. And there's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to make up these images. He, he loves to build constructs of silver and gold. In other words, things that are temporary, things that are perishable. And, and so we think we have to bow down or die. We think that we have no choice at that work party. So we bow down to culture. We think that if we're on that work trip and, and everyone else is doing it, I mean, this is the way that business is done. And if I'm going to be effective, if I'm going to have respect, then I, I have to bow down to culture when the song is played. And because we haven't submitted our life to God, we submit our life to that job. Because we haven't submitted our life to God, we submit our life to that relationship. And these three Hebrew men take this stand and they don't bow down to culture and the king brings them in. And he's like, okay, okay, I know that you didn't bow down. Um, you know, we played the music. You didn't bow down, but I want to just maybe have a conversation. Like, let's, let's talk this out. Let's try this one more time. We're going to play this song again, because if not, we're going we're gonna to kill you. But I would love for you to just, as a show of goodwill, that you would go ahead and bow down so we don't have to murder you. <laughs> the enemy of your soul loves to do this as soon as you take a stand. 
As soon as you take a stand for purity, for integrity, for kindness, for grace, the enemy loves to come to you one more time and say, I know that you took that stand and I see that when we played the song that you didn't bow down, but can I just give you one more chance to bow down? But I pray tonight that as you encourage yourself in the Lord, that God gives you the strength to stand every time the enemy gives you a chance to bow down. When you encourage yourself in the Lord, it helps you not to bow down. And when you encourage yourself in the Lord, point number two is that you live with an even if spirit. So we're still in Daniel chapter three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 19, replied to him and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. So the king's brought him in. He's given him one more chance. And they're like, we're not even here to defend ourselves. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hands. And hey, that that, that gets me fired up right there. Like, that's enough we can go home and get on the keys. You know, let's go. But even if he does not, this is my favorite part. He says, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image that you have set up. In other words, when you play the music, we're not bowing down. There's something greater on our lives. Then Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) I'm just going to read this whole part. I wasn't planning on it, but I I, I like the story, so I'm going to. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. Doesn't the world love to do this? When you don't bow down, they get angry, they get mad. He ordered the furnace, hey, heat it up seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them into the blazing furnace. Boom, you're canceled. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldier who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. They didn't even push them in. They fell in. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) he leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, majesty, you're pretty good at math. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God. Can I tell you, when you don't bow down to culture, when you don't bow down when they play this song, there's someone that joins in the fight with you. All you've got to do is stand strong and see the salvation of the Lord. Come on and put your hands together and say thank you Jesus that when you encourage yourself in the Lord and here's how these guys did it because when I read this story it gets me fired up until I put myself in their shoes and I'm like maybe we should consider bowing down just for this moment like I'll ask God to forgive me when it's over that's hot <laughs> But the more I look at this, the more I realize how they did this. These guys were not living with a what-if spirit. They encouraged themselves in the Lord so that they could have an even-if spirit. And too many people live their lives wondering, what if something bad happens? What if I lose this? What if this happens? What if I don't measure up? What if my health doesn't last? What if God doesn't come through and the enemy knows that if he can keep you where you're at in that what-if, you'll never get to this place of even-if? 
Here's what even if faith is. It's the type of faith that says even if the world falls apart, I will still trust in him. Even if I lose this job, I will still trust in him. Even if I lose this person and this relationship, even if the worst happens, even if I don't measure up, even if my health doesn't last, even if God doesn't heal my loved one, can I tell you when you have an even if faith, I've just determined in my life that I've lived too long with a what if faith. And I just think it's time in this season to make a decision to say, even if this happens, I will trust him. I love to get up and, and work out. And uh, I, the other day this happened, I, I usually go to CrossFit with Pastor Brad. Just know this, Pastor Brad does CrossFit because he loves it. I do it because I hate it. Like, it, it's awful. I walk in, I see the workouts. I'm like, oh, no. Well, it was one day I... I woke up a little late and I was like, you know what, I'll go for a jog. I'll go for a run. And I hit the garage door. The garage door came open and standing in front of me was the biggest dog I have ever seen in my life. At first I thought it was a bear. The thing was huge. I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was a wolf from, I don't know, Russia or something. The thing looked like it was massive, big eyes, big, it's like five in the morning, big old blue eyes just staring at me. Nope, we're not going for a run today. Just hit that garage, went back and laid down. <laughs> you know why? I was about to give up on a really great goal of running because in that moment, I played out the scenario of what if. Fast forward the story, we're driving around the neighborhood. I told my wife, I was like, there's that bear looking wolf thing, whatever it is. My wife was like, that dog? I was like, at five in the morning, it looked a lot bigger, okay? <laughs> I was about to give up on a goal because I played out what if it, it was easy an easy thing for me to avoid because I was living in this world of what if Proverbs chapter 26 verse 13 through 14 can I just preach to you a little bit the sluggard says this there's a lion in the road a fierce lion roaming the streets and as a door turns on its hinges, so a slugger turns on his bed. In other words, a what-if spirit will keep you from doing what Christians should be doing. A what-if spirit will keep you from helping. A what-if spirit will keep you from serving. A what-if spirit will keep you from leading. A, 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 a what-if spirit will keep you from leading a freedom group. I don't know who that was for, but just receive it. A what-if spirit will keep you from loving somebody that seemed unlovable. And if fear's greatest hit is what if, then faith's greatest knockout punch is even if. <laughs> we can have an even if faith here tonight because he's an even if God. Even if I doubt, he's my rock. Even if I'm afraid, he's my fortress. Even if I'm anxious, he's my peace. Even if I'm hurt, he's my comforter. Even if I'm sick, he's my healer. Even if I'm sad, he's my joy. Even if the world is crumbling, Noah shows us that he always provides us a way of escape. <laughs> that even if my dreams are crushed, Joseph shows me that he is the dream giver and the dream fulfiller. 
<laughs> even if I feel like the enemy is going to take me out, Esther shows me that he will promote me. Even if I run from God, Jonah shows me that God will never stop running after me. Even if I feel like the numbers just aren't adding up, Gideon shows me that God plus nothing equals everything. That even if I fail, Jesus, Peter shows me that he can still use me to preach the gospel. That even though Jesus Christ was put to death, Matthew chapter 28 shows us that death does not have the final say. We servant even if God and last but not least even though I'm a sinner I can have faith because I serve and even if God I'm coming to a close my last point is this we got to encourage ourselves in the Lord so we, so we can share his blessing first Samuel chapter 30 and I'm closing he the Bible says he led David down, and there they were, the enemy, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, reveling because of what they had just done, because of the great amount of plunder that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. And David, the Bible says, fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except for 400 men who rode off. And David recovered, the Bible says, everything that the Amalekites had taken. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds and his men drove them ahead of the livestock saying, this is David's plunder. But then David came to the 200 men who the Bible says had been too exhausted to follow him and were left behind at the Bazar Valley. This whole part of the story doesn't really, like, make sense. Like, you've just lost women and children. You've lost your family. You've lost your wives, and yet you're too tired to fight? The Bible says that as the 400 men who had done all the work, had done all the battling, had come back with the plunder. The men, they came out to meet David and, and the men with him. And as David and his men approached, he asked them how they were. <laughs> like, they've they just been in the middle of a battle. Like, this is Braveheart. They're covered in blood. They're tired. They're exhausted. They walk up. They ask, how, how are you? <laughs> but all the evil men and the troublemakers among David's followers said because they did not go out with us we will not share with them the plunder that we recovered however each man may take his wife and children and go and I love this part of the story David replied no my brothers you must not do that with what the Lord has given us he has protected us he has delivered us into our hands, the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the men who slayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. And David made this a statue and ordinance for Israel from that day to this. <laughs> In this moment, David could have gone to fight the battle by himself, but he needed relationship, he needed community, and we want a body of believers in this house that fight this fight together. And we want you to know here tonight that you are not alone. You might be in the middle of a fight, you might be in the middle of a struggle, but that is why we do life groups. 
(laughs) This is why we do freedom. This is the reason right here because we know that there is a battle ahead of you and our prayer is that when you walk in alone that you leave in relationship and all the single young adults said amen. (laughs) We know that you have a battle but we want you to know that you don't have to fight the battle alone. David could have gone into that battle by himself But this is why we do freedom, to let you know that you're not in this struggle by yourself. You're not going through that thing alone. We're going to win this together. We're going to see our family saved together. We're going to walk through this season together. Verse 19, and there is nothing lacking, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoiled nor anything that had been taken from them. David recovered all the battle came to you at Ziklag. Can I encourage you right now? The battles come to you, but shake yourself. Pull yourself together. I know you're grieving. I know you're hurting. I know that you're full of pain right now, but can you encourage yourself in the Lord? Because here's what happened. <laughs> I know that it stunned you, but you got to get up. The Bible says that David told his men that we will share the spoils with the ones that were too tired to fight. Can I tell you tonight, I've learned this in life. Some people are affected differently by the same things. Some people struggle with issues that I don't struggle with and vice versa. People go through losing a loved one and can't recover. And then some people go through the same thing and seem to be okay. I I, I don't know why that is. I, I don't know why one Christian struggles with this and and another Christian struggles with this, but can I tell you, I don't know why, but here is our responsibility as Christians is not to keep the blessings of God when we have the strength to go fight, but rather share with the ones who in this season are just simply too tired to fight. I close with this. We can all stand. David, at this moment, in his own personal journey, he wins this fight, he wins this battle, he he encourages himself in the Lord, and I think one reason why he was able to have the right spirit in that season after fighting that fight and coming back and giving to the people he had fought nothing is because he encouraged himself in the Lord. But the Bible tells us in the very next chapter that Saul, that was keeping him from his destiny, Saul that was standing in front of him, that was standing in front of his purpose, in front of his prophecy, in front of the thing that he was going to be. The Bible tells us that 72 hours later, three days later, that Saul was killed. David didn't know it in that moment, but he was 72 hours from a 13-year miracle. The thing that he had been promised as a young man, the thing that he was waiting for, the thing that he was hoping for, Ziglag, was nothing more than the enemy's last stand to keep David from his destiny. The enemy's last stand here tonight is just keeping you from the thing that God spoke over your life a long time ago. The enemy's last stand The enemy was coming against him stronger than ever before. The enemy was coming against his family. Maybe, just maybe, as you encourage yourself in the Lord, you might soon realize that you are so close to the promise that God gave you a long time ago. Can I encourage you tonight that you are closer than you ever thought that you were? You're closer to what God wants to do for you. You're closer than what God has for you than you even know. (laughs) 
What the enemy tried to use to destroy you is just a reminder that you are this close to your destiny. I close with this, Romans 13, 11 says, and do this now, understanding this present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than we first believed tonight. You just might be 72 hours away from the thing that you've been praying for, from the thing that you've been hoping for, for the thing that you have been believing. Can I just can, can I encourage you tonight? Encourage yourself in the Lord. There's craziness going on all around us. Every time we look up, every time we pull up our phones, everything that's going on in the world, can you just in the middle of this season, I know there's grieving, I know there's hurting, I know there's pain, but in the middle of this season, can you do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord and say, God, you're greater. God, you're higher. There's no one like you, and I can stand in the middle of this season. Jesus, I thank you right now for your goodness and your grace. I, I thank you right now that your peace is in this house. And I thank you right now that in the middle of everything going on in the world, that we can encourage ourselves in the goodness of who you are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Can we just put our hands together and say thank you, Jesus. Have a great week. Go in Jesus' name. If you want to be a freedom leader, come see us. If you want to teach freedom, if you're interested in freedom, if you've been a freedom leader, come hang out with us. Have a great Great, we go in Jesus' name.